Hey guys, thanks for listening hey, in today. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I think you mean everyone. Oh, so sorry. I need to be more inclusive. Thank you. Hello everyone, and thanks for listening to the podcast today. I'm Kevin. And I'm Brian. And we hope you enjoy. All right, Brian. We're live. We're Episode live. seven. Episode seven. Seven now. No rhyme. I'm not going to say it's a little bit of heaven this time. Mm. I'm just not going to rhyme. I'm not going to rhyme with Kevin. Episode seven with Kevin. Hey, there it is. All right. Lots of fun stuff today, you guys. Um, should I, oh, you know what? I'm so sorry. We always start our episodes. We want to thank everybody for uh, listening. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm super excited right now. Yeah. Uh, I, we've seen tremendous growth. Yeah, especially after episode listens, six. And we're expanding. And all, all I can ask of you is please, please, please share the link or yeah. the, the page or whatever the case is. Share it and keep spreading the, the, the joy. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate it, all you guys. A uh, lot of fun stuff tonight. Uh, you're going to hear Brian sure. go crazy for sure. Sure. Uh, so we're going to be covering the electoral college this evening. Is it good? Is it bad? What could we do instead? It's awful. Okay. Well, <laughs> podcast over. <laughs> I guess that covers we'll that. To, we'll get to both sides. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, we're going to talk about um, the elephant in the room, the Democratic National Convention. What are our thoughts? Who are our favorite speakers? But uh, without fin- any further ado... Let's let Brian like uh, go on a little bit of a rampage here. Let's talk no, about the Electoral College. I mean, we should we should start with the historical perspective, right? Yeah. And, and I'm going to be as unbiased and, and call me out. No, if you feel any bias coming out, but essentially, the framers of the Constitution, the founding fathers, were at this deadlock on how to handle. And this is voting. happening. This is happening at the um, Constitutional Convention, right? So they're they're in this deadlock of. How do we elect the executive of the country? We don't want a king. We need to move away from it. You know, does Congress decide? Do we have a direct election? It was basically, it was the Federalists versus the, um, what was it? Democratic? Republicans. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we have these two sides fighting. And really, it ends up boiling down to once they decide, no, it won't be Congress. It's, well, direct vote then. And it was unfair for the North versus the South, right. right? Because the South had such such a smaller population compared to the North. And Madison came up with this idea of like, hey, we should you know come up with an electoral college type idea, right? And then you know we have all right, so we're going to determine by population, right? Of every the state, state, every state, state gets has, three votes to start, and then and the rest is based upon the census that's correct. done every ten years. So that's how it all started, and from there, I think there's what we see to where my bias will start to filter in is where I get frustrated. Is you know the one aspect of the population that gets thrown in there is the electoral college is rooted in slavery, and the idea is. <clears throat> in order to determine the population correctly for the South, they had the slaves count as three-fifths of a man. And this worked out for Virginia very well, who had well over 200,000 slaves. So they actually took over the largest electoral position. So in order to be elected president at the time, you needed 49 electoral votes, in which Virginia had 12, which was the largest amount at the time. So it worked out very well for the South as opposed to having a direct election. Does that sound pretty accurate? Yeah, no, I'm, not, I'm letting you roll here, Bray. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to argue with history. <laughs> so, that's, a stupid, so, that's a stupid statement. You and, should and definitely then, argue with history. And then we have, we have essentially, you know, 
three major reasons for the Electoral College, right? They didn't feel that there was enough education, right? They didn't have the internet back then, obviously. They didn't have phones. There was, there was no way to really get the mass population to become educated on a particular candidate. Right. And, so, that, and you, again, I'm, I'm just adding to it. So, and the biggest thing too is like back in that time, you know, it wasn't who didn't have access to information. Although like, you know what I mean? You were getting your news by horse carrier. Right. Um, but it was not, not everyone could read or write. Not everybody was literate. Right. And, and from there, my issue becomes that's essentially a way to maintain the elite class, you know, having the power and keeping the power. Right. Because what is what is education is it, it was, you know, predominantly held by the wealthy class. Oh, you for didn't sure. have, you know, a public education system that was supposed to be the great equalizer. As Horace Mann said, you know, he was one of the founding fathers of public education. There was no opportunity to become educated on these candidates. So that was a way to withhold power from the average Joe. Right. So then we also have their issue with a democratic mob coming and taking over the country, right? right? But that really irks me because it's like it's a dem- like a democracy and right. you're worried about a democracy working properly. Like a democratic mob means the the popular vote. Right. It's a the old famous uh Benjamin Franklin quote, right? Mm-hmm. Uh when you have popular vote it's what did you say it was uh it's like having two wolves and a lamb vote on what's for dinner. <laughs> that's a that's a really good quote. Yeah. That's a deep dive. Right. And they wanted to protect against a populist president. <clears throat> they wanted to protect against a man that said he would do things. Right. They wanted to protect against a crazy person. Like everyone right. voting for a crazy one. Right. You know, someone who's gonna just cater with their words to the population as a whole, but then not follow through. Right. So Therein lies another issue I have with the Electoral College is it did not perform its function most recently, right? It was a man who said he was going to do all these things and has done none of them. So at what point do we start to question the purpose of the Electoral College and its practice, right? So let me just pause you here really sure. quick. So are you is what you're saying is you think that it should be a 100% popular vote? So... There are some issues with a straight democratic popular vote, right? right? And the biggest thing is going to be, well, what a, what about the case of a recount? You're going to have 130 million ballots that all have to be counted again. To which I, I would argue, so be it. We have until January 20th to swear in a president. The 20th Amendment says by January 20th, you need to have a president in place. And that was provided by you know, the, the electors and like, hey, there's infighting and, oh, this isn't working out. We don't know. Or it's a tie. It needs to go to the House of Representatives, which is another issue, right? You're not worried about, this is something Brian and I were talking about mm-hmm. earlier, is that I, I, the one thing that I worry about when you're talking about popular vote, and we brought up earlier that, um, you know, the issue in the past was not everyone could read or write. And so, you know, and they wanted to protect everybody yeah. from a crazy person, yeah. which Brian is saying isn't helping. Um, wouldn't you say that the misinformation, because now there's information everywhere. We can get, I mean, you're literally pulling it out of the air, Yeah. Um, which is f- so freaking cool to think about. Uh, can't wait for Neuralink to come out. <laughs> Elon Musk, baby, 
get on phase four, man. I want to be like talking with my brain. But um, wouldn't you, aren't you worried with, couldn't you compare like, you know, illiteracy with misinformation? The, the you know, I mean, there's so much misinformation out there now. I mean, it's everywhere. Yeah. And not um, only that. And wouldn't you worry even more about misinformation? So everybody talked about, you know, the whole Russia thing. Thank you. You know, yep. I'm coming. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> and, and I'm glad you brought that up because I do equate that very similarly to the idea of being illiterate. But here's the thing. How do we, you know, how do we how do we protect ourselves from a, you know a dictator coming in? Right, but how do we protect ourselves from disenfranchisement of the vote? Like if you can't if you can't be trusted to vote, what's the point at all? Like that's the whole the whole idea, the hypothesis of does a democracy work is you have to trust the people to make decisions. Otherwise, you're not. We're not a democracy, right? Because even now up until what the Supreme Court ruling this year that electors have to pledge to actually vote the way they are, you know, if if Illinois is a blue state and the blue, you know, that the state selects the blue candidate, all the electors have to vote. Up until this year, that wasn't the case. Like they could go rogue. They could vote who, who however they wanted. And that was by design to prevent a populist president or a democratic mob or whatever. So up until this year, it wasn't like, a, a sound system. And, and here's the thing about the electoral college in its, you know, first iteration, right? It, the idea was, you know, we need to make compromise. We need it, The founding fathers never said this is the end all be all. This, right. this wasn't like they were the first to, amendment. They were, they were, they were trying to yeah. compromise between Congress electing they and the needed, masses. They needed to move along with the constitution in right. order to get it ratified Yeah, because they needed to be a whole country in case England, you know, reinvade. Yeah. So, so we're basing 240 years after on a system that was a compromise and we haven't gone back and said, Hey, this isn't really working right. We have the tools, the resources to maybe change this. And they have in certain ways, like the 12th amendment with the separation of the presidential ballot and the vice presidential ballot and, and so on and so forth. So, there have been tweaks, but they haven't really changed the system at all, and they haven't even fully revisited. I think in the '60s they were going to go to a direct, they were going to go to like a direct uh, vote, but it got filibustered in the Senate. Yeah. So, I think they've thought about making changes, but they haven't actually addressed anything. They haven't come up with a plan, other than hey, maybe a direct vote would would change it. It passed in the House, and then the Senate filibustered it, and it never moved forward. And then we just left it. Okay, so then let me let me ask you this too. Then, okay, um, what are your thoughts on something like the National Popular Vote uh, Interstate Compact? So that's where, like, um, I think that's what uh, it's. I think it's Kansas. No, Nebraska. Nebraska. And Maine. The, Nebraska, Nebraska and Maine. Maine. Thank you. So I used to teach that as lobster and corn. Those are the two ways. Oh, very good, Brian. Yeah. So I God, used to be a government. A I was a government teacher, <laughs> and I had to teach. And this was one thing that I, I taught in an unbiased fashion. But when people asked me why the electoral college was still in effect, I didn't have an answer because it didn't. It it just doesn't make sense to me. So Maine and Nebraska can break up their votes by the precincts or you know within the by population. the congestion. Con- so yeah. they don't go by their congressional districts. Right. And and the Supreme Court acknowledged that in yeah. the 2020 ruling where there are two partials that are outside of this case, but for everything else, the states that decide our electoral votes go to the winner of the state, 
you must vote by that winner. Okay, so that in in itself is like okay, the Supreme Court has acknowledged that there are two difference. So basically, two different and and basically just to explain this to you mm-hmm. before Brian goes on. So in those two states, what happens is based upon who's voting in the different areas, those electoral votes will then go to the, so the the votes can basically be bit, bit, can be split up based upon the popular vote. Right. So. Um, which what do you so so what what are your thoughts on that then? Do you think that that's fair? Because then you're saying okay, well, three, I think three quarters of the state voted this way, so they get three quarters of the vote. I mean, it's fair. Doesn't that seem very similar to a, a, an all-out popular vote? Right. So I do think that's more fair, and what it does protect against is the recount issue. Right. Right. And now, Brian, I brought this up earlier too. So then, what's your answer to the fact that um, they, so they did a study on this, and I'll have to I'll pull it up for yeah. you. But basically, yeah. So in 2012, if they did it that way, Romney would have beat out uh, Obama, even though he would have had more than a five million uh, vote deficit in the popular vote. So that that becomes my biggest problem with all of it. Right. Is in in why I wanted to bring this up when I when I talked to you about, hey, what are we talking about on Wednesday? I had seen a I had seen a model where Donald Trump was going to be the winner like I think it's 21% of the time. And in one of those wins, he lost by more than 5 million votes. And we talk about voter apathy all the time. We talk about, you know, it's your right to vote, but not enough people are getting out there. Red, blue, it does, indifferent, right? It doesn't matter. Go out and vote. But how do you tell someone to go out and vote when you can be part of 5 million people and it literally just felt like it didn't even count at all? Right. And, and when we look at... California versus Wyoming, you and I were talking, and it's basically Wyoming's votes count as four times more. So if you divide the amount of electoral votes in California, right? I actually did so the math. It's one in, 16, one in 618,000 so, for California. So the amount of votes that were counted in California in 2016 was 14,181,000. And you divide that you divide 55 yeah. into that, right? And you get 0. 0.0, so Brian five knows, zeros. Brian knows that math is not my strong suit. So there's point five zeros three eight seven, right? That's the number. There were 258,000 votes in Wyoming. And you divide that by the three, and it's point zero four zeros one one six, which actually means that the votes are counting basically four times more than someone in California, right? There's a whole less zero. So... If you're thinking about that, if I'm in California and my vote is less than someone in Wyoming, there's a big issue. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, one of the big arguments is like, well, then the, the smaller populated states don't have a say. That's why there's a Senate. The Senate is supposed to be the, dis, the equal distribution, right? The, yeah, like, everyone gets two senators. Right. The House of Representatives is directly to population. The Senate is supposed to be even across all states. The president is supposed to represent the United States as an entirety. So it shouldn't be, oh, well, let's make sure Wyoming counts just as much as California or whatever the case is. It's the entirety of the United States. They are a representative of the entire United States. But 5 million people didn't count towards that in this model or the Mitt Romney thing. Or in 2016, 3 million people didn't count because Hillary won by a two point whatever million people, that doesn't count. So just explain this to me, and I'm, sure. I'm, I'm partially playing devil's advocate. Yeah, here. yeah. Um, 
what's the difference between having a higher population in California and then getting them getting a certain amount of votes versus Wyoming? I know that you're saying it's not like a one for one voting thing, right? But really, is there any difference? They still have more electoral votes there, so their votes te- technically being well, fifty five electoral votes there versus the three in Wyoming, they're still the getting weight, a higher. But the weight of the vote is different. So the weight Elaborate. because so like I said, there's. 14 million people in California, 55 electoral votes. If you wait, if you look at how much goes into each electoral vote, there's more weight on a Wyoming, right? Same thing with like Illinois versus Iowa or whatever the case is. These higher populated states, Texas, which is a red state, is discounted against Wyoming. Like all of these massive states with a huge population, their votes are discounted. So while they have more electoral votes, it's not equally distributed. And that's what I'm saying. Like the equal distribution isn't important in the landscape of the entire representation of the United States. It's important in the Senate, right? Which is the, the legislative branch is the closest branch to the people, right? The House right. of Representatives, yeah, 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 yeah. it's district. The and page. then the Senate is that state. But the president is no state. It's no district. It's the entire United States. So you are disenfranchising 5 million people, 3 million people by saying you don't count. So when I say we need to remove the electoral college or figure out some system that does work, because when you're losing the popular vote by 5 million, 3 million, that's a lot. If you're losing by 100,000, that's different. What's the population of the U.S.? 317 million-ish. That was the last I, I had seen. I mean, what's 5 million amongst friends? Right. <laughs> but, but then you also look, the Electoral College, if you look at Michigan that was you know flipped into the red, uh, Wisconsin, a lot of those were decided by less than 100,000 votes. So certain precincts in certain areas, you know, and I'm not getting into the whole like, oh, well, you know, purged voter rolls and stuff like that. I'm just saying from what we actually tabulated, it was that close, and then you're giving all of those electoral votes to a pre- like a presidential candidate. I have issue with, right? So, not only is it that state versus Wyoming versus California, but if a state loses, you know, or if a, if a candidate loses a state by ten, twenty thousand, they lose out on twenty electoral votes, ten electoral votes, eleven electoral votes, and they only lost by ten, fifteen, twenty thousand. That's a big deal. I, I, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. No, I know. But what I'm saying, I do still find issue with, I, I understand that the, you know, these, these people are going to com- campaign in areas with higher electoral votes. Um, yes but no. right now they currently do. And I think that's part of the reason why Trump. They don't. They go to battleground states. I understand. The ones that it's close. Yeah. But they don't go to where they like. You don't see him campaigning that much in California. It's blue. You yeah. don't see him campaigning that much in Texas, except this year because it's become a battleground state. But like the Michigan, you think Texas is a battleground state this year? Mm-hmm. I think it's just so it's within, right. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's just within so red. Fi- it's a, it's within five percent. It's considered a battleground. It's leaning red. It's it's going to be red. Oh, I for think. sure. I think for sure. But then um, you look at the Michigans, Wisconsin's, Ohio's. But don't you? But so, and I know you brought this up as like you. Th- you made it almost sound as though it was like a silly argument. But like, aren't they just? They're just going to go to the highest populous areas. I just, I think that then, then, then you're 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 voting on a president, or the president is going to be focused on just these metro, these large metropolitan areas, and we're going to kind of like lose touch with the the rural America. 
Well, I, I think that's the issue that I have because then, then it's almost like, cause then you're almost disenfranchising these people in these rural towns. They're like, well, it doesn't matter what I think because you know what I mean? There's only 10 of us here and there's, you know, a bajillion people in LA. I, I don't think I don't necessarily... want LA. I don't want LA picking my president. I have such a problem. I, have, I don't know why, but I have such a problem with California. But I know. But <laughs> and we, I have family out there but, too. But we talked, and it's a cool place, but like, but okay. I don't want Texas picking my president, but no, then I, I don't. So I go out and vote. I do too. Right. I've, so, never, so, I've never, since I turned 18, I've never missed a I'm not uh, saying yeah. you have. So those people need to go out and vote because your vote counts. Your one vote yeah, counts. Damn right it does. And it doesn't in the electoral college because you lose the popular vote. Well, technically it's gone. it does. No. It does to an extent For because without my, but with, but without my, without my vote, they're not getting my electoral vote. That's not guaranteed. Why not? The direct. Oh, because you're saying, I get what you're saying. Okay. The waiting. So if you have the three you know, electoral votes, but that doesn't mean like, oh, my California vote doesn't matter. Like my vote matters. My vote is equal to someone else, wherever else they are within this country. So if I want to balance out, if I don't like, you know, Hillary Clinton, I like Donald Trump. (laughs) (laughs) I think Brian just gagged. If I, if I don't like Hillary Clinton, which I didn't, but if I don't like Hillary Clinton and I like Donald Trump, (laughs) I can go out and counter someone who is voting for Hillary. I can go out and counter someone who is voting for Donald Trump, yeah. and I want my vote counted. I did. I voted for so Gary Johnson. Here's, well, I'm glad you brought him up. Yeah. Currently, the third-party system oh, has no route. I know you're going to do it this. It has no route. Yeah. To Are you going to bring up Ross Perot next? <laughs> I'm going to bring up Ross Perot. I'm going to bring up I'm going to bring up Ralph Nader. I'm oh, going to bring up the Gary Johnson. All of those... All yeah. they do is disrupt. Ross per- and Ross, per- well, under the current electoral college system, they yeah. have no path to victory. I understand. Zero. Ross Perot got nineteen percent of the popular vote, but got zero electoral votes. I know. So there's an issue there. Oh yeah. So let's get but rid coming, of the electoral. Coming, but coming from me though, as a libertarian, you I should understand. be like, how about we get rid of this shit of Democrat no. or Republican? Let's have. I don't know, but I'm, I'm, I'm I, and I'm not saying I'm not sitting here arguing for the electoral college. I know. What I'm saying is this. I need a solution. I don't because because I don't think the popular vote is perfect, but it's a lot better. It's I don't, better. I don't know. So, but you know what, Brian? Let's try it. We'll just you know, attention everyone in the U.S. We're switching <laughs> to a popular vote just for 2020. We're going to see what happens. The, and I think I that would we, be wouldn't effective. that be so dope if we could just do that? Yeah. Boom! Flip the switch. Well, if you if you you know for all you listeners to the podcast, if you've noticed, we've been calling out things, and it's just been happening, right? Yeah. Kamala Harris, like oh, when yeah. we say things, it, it gets happens. done. The USPS, yeah. all of a sudden, DeJoy is getting summoned, you know, and like, we're gonna oh have, my god, we're gonna have secret and all of a sudden, here. all of a sudden, they stopped, you know, with the changes. No changes until November, right? Damn straight. They we, listen to me. They're listening to us. So that's great. And I'm, and I'm glad and you're that. listening to us too. We're going to get a knock on the door from some dudes in some black suits. Like, we want to know how you're predicting this. <laughs> so I think the electoral you give us, college. You give us two microphones in a garage and we'll come up with some weird shit. <laughs> I think the electoral college is broken. And the fact that people can vote and it basically not count or someone based on their region can count for more than mine. I think that's broken and it needs to change. No. Yeah, but you're not giving me a real solution. The real okay, solution okay, is but, direct. Okay, let me, that is the solution. Let me, let, me, let me ask you this then, though. Sure. Do you find any issues with one person, one vote? No. None at all? None. Not even with misinformation? Not even... So, but that's the... So then what if we get... That a, is the practic. That's the whole hypothesis of, of the 
democracy, right? It's you have a say in your government, right? And we've, we elect representatives to represent us because we don't have time to vote every single day on every single traffic light or whatever the case is from municipal level to local state level to the executive level, federal level, right? We don't have time to vote on all of those different things. And that's why we elect representatives. But if we're going to call ourselves a representative democracy, we should fucking be one. Yeah, I just, you know, I get, you know what it is, is like, (laughs) I think part of this comes from being a bartender and just, I just see the people that come in and just like, I do not want your vote to count. (laughs) I, I have discussions with people on Facebook all yeah, the time, and I'm yeah. like, I don't want your vote to count because yeah. it doesn't seem like you're educating yourself or whatever the case is. Oh, yeah. Brian went on a real Facebook tirade But you know today. what? I want them to vote. I yeah. want them to exercise their right. Yeah. It's, it's counter to mine. But hey, that's the system. And I believe in democracy working if we just give it a chance. Yeah. Yeah. So your, your magic wand fix for this scenario is popular vote go to the popular vote you have until so and here's the other issue right i'm not worried about the recount well that's the thing instant gratification there's there is this enjoyment of november 3rd 6th whatever the case is on a given year it's that first november yeah you know tuesday november we know by the end of the night who the president is right and also um just well i'm going to interrupt you here for a second Mm -hmm. i apologize no if you guys would like brian and i to do a live podcast during the election I think we, I think we should. Please let us know let because us know. I'm really interested. Um, and it would be a very informal. Uh, there would be drinks being had. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you guys want to see that, let us know. Comment on Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. Twitter. Yeah, we could broadcast it live on YouTube or something like that. But yeah, well, we can. I, I just found out I can. We can broadcast a podcast yeah. live on Apple and all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, great. Yeah. So, so to go back, the magic wand for me is the direct vote. I think there are going to be issues. I think there has to be a, you know, a grace period where, hey, there are going to be issues, right? But it's not going to be fraudulent. It's not going to be like security issues. The thing is, is it's going to be, it's going to take some time. Yeah. And we have until January 20th before the inauguration yeah. date to figure it out. Yeah. Like from November, if it takes a recount, if it you know takes longer to tabulate, whatever right. the case is, make it so. Because that's democracy. And we yeah. claim we live in one. Well, let's let's act like it. I'm sitting over here laughing right now because I'm just thinking that I have these stupid thoughts that come into my head. I'm just like, I my, what, what I was going to say was I would like some sort of like a check and balance on it. You know what I mean? And then I thought to myself, I would love like <laughs> like a switch. Like, you know, the public fucked up. <laughs> Press the button and it fixes it. You know what I mean? I tried so hard to find one in 2016. Couldn't find it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, uh, the nuclear switch to the button. Yep. And I'm just pressing this now. <laughs> yeah, and I, and, I, and you know what? Here's the thing. It would give your libertarian we, party a chance. Oh, Brian. I'm just, you know, I want t- Tulsi 2020. <laughs> Voter. Maybe I'm, she I'm, won. I'm, I'm probably going to. Well, that's fine. I don't mind saying that online or on, uh, on the air. Yeah, that's fine. I like Tulsi. I do. I, I know that she's... Uh, she Gabbard, Gabbard is, a, is a good candidate, but you I can't vote a, for her because she's not I in a party. Vote. You watch me. I'll vote for right. her. And she has no power. You know what? I think that she... I wish that nobody would have said anything about her running third party. It wasn't it Hillary. Crooked Hillary. I think... And I'm only saying that because she talked crap about Tulsi. She and she's like, she she's a Russian, Russian asset. asset. This yeah. woman has served uh, terms... Well, we're going to talk military. about, hold on. We're going to talk about her come the DNC. Yeah, I know. So That's let's take, example. let's take a quick break. All right. And then we'll get to the DNC because I even object to her. 
Oh, I can't wait to hear this. We'll be right back. All right. And we're back. We're back. Let's do it. That's that's where our sponsorship will go yeah. eventually. Yeah. But not yet. Yeah. Shout out anybody who wants to sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now that I've been fed, um, I think we're ready to go. We're ready to, to cover. Yeah. DNC. I think we're t- Yeah, It's DNC time. And it's the first virtual, you know, nomination. Yeah. You know, situation. And obviously because of the pandemic. Right. It had to be that way. Yeah. And I thought it was good. I thought it was choppy. Um, actually, I can't say I thought it was good. No. I can say I thought it was choppy. Let's yeah. just go with that. Well, and, and there were definitely... I was perplexed as to why they made some segments live. And, and some were pre-recorded. Yeah, and, and there's, there's no reason to have some live in a virtual conference, per se. Like, I know what they're right. trying to do and really yeah. capture that that feel. Yeah. But, like, it just didn't make sense. And then you saw cues. And, and I did appreciate, like their transparency about it like Rachel Maddow I think said well you can tell it's it's live and um I know Joe Biden on day two was like sitting there in front of the camera waiting for her cue to start walking down the classroom hallway and and stuff like that so there were some hiccups but all in all I I I did like most of it yeah and I mean well you I said this to Brian after I watched it the first day I didn't watch the second day yet I'm gonna be honest with you guys I watched the highlights, yeah. which is what I should have done with the first day because I it mean it you. was, oh, it was grueling. Yeah, there were definitely aspects that were grueling, and there's there's something lost in this virtual environment. Right. I feel like maybe if yeah, I think you're right. If it was all live and it was all done, you know what I mean. There's an energy, and and we're seeing this with sports too. Not to digress, no. But like when you watch an NBA playoff game right now, it's weird. When you watch a, a major league baseball game, which I actually enjoy hearing the bat hit the ball and stuff like that, that is neat, yeah. But overall, I just haven't been fully engaged by sports because the lack of crowd feel and and you know the players feed off of that, so that's kind of lost. And I do appreciate them doing a virtual version of it, but I do understand, like for you, like it it can be kind of right. a grueling experience because you're just like. All right, well, let me hear the, the five-minute speeches, and let's move yeah. on and, and call it a night. I want to see the centrist national convention. <laughs> it's called no, the Biden experience if you want to centrist. Shut up. <laughs> if you want the centrist. God, that was corny. Didn't we have um, – I'm going to give a shout-out to a listener. Wasn't it Christine that said she was waiting for me to endorse Biden? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to happen. I'm sorry to let you down. I'm not going to endorse Trump, but I'm not going to endorse Biden either. I think I did. I did my endorsement. Tulsi Gabbard, 2020. Okay. That's two you get, Tulsi, and you're not paying for it. So, I mean, just, you know, remember us. Um, (laughs) When you become the Secretary of Veterans Affairs. Hey. You never know. It's possible, dude. I could see that happening. I don't think Tulsi ever really went after Biden, did she, in the debates? I think there might have been some moments nowhere near what Kamala did, but. Yeah. I'm going to bring that up since you went that way. Um, no, we were talking the DNC. We already okay, went there. Right. We already okay. went that way last. Let me digress. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's talk about it, Brian. What do you think the big home runs were? What do you think? Oh, that was a baseball reference. You yeah. just talked about baseball. See, Look at me go. It's all coming together. Full um, circle. All right, so who do you think knocked it out of the park, and who could you have done without? So I think there was. I thought there were more hits than misses. Uh, day one and day two. Uh, I think day one the 
biggest hit, and this is something you and I talked about, and I'll get your feedback on, was Bernie Sanders. Yeah, I'll come right out and say it. I he I think he was my favorite. And I'm not like a, I'm not a, what do they call him? Bernie? What do they call Bernie people? Uh, uh, I don't know. Feel the burn guys. Yeah, I, I'm not one of those people. Uh, but I thought that I, I really, I, I enjoyed his speech. I thought he was the... I guess the most well put together, and I I think that he was also like, um, oh, he's also I think he's a he's a decent speaker to yeah. begin with. Yeah. Um, I did mention to Brian that I would love to hear him read a children's book. <laughs> um, just with like that whole like uh, you know New England accent thing going on. I thought that no, I thought he I don't think that he just preached like everyone else did. Um, so yeah, he gets my he gets my uh, my pick for top. So the Topic. reason, and the reason, so for me, Michelle Obama was the one that like, I thought hit it out of the park in terms of the actual speech. But the reason I say the biggest hit was Bernie was because Bernie Sanders did a really nice job of being genuine and even talked about, I think that's what I liked. Biden, yeah. Biden and I disagree on certain things, yeah. but he's, you know, being super progressive with climate change and, and stuff like that. So he acknowledged the points where they disagreed, but also said, Hey, listen, for those of you that supported me and are I'm not really frustrated, you, yeah. yeah, that are frustrated that I didn't get it. And, you know, I know I have a great following, but you need to support Biden here. And in <clears throat> some of my agenda is going to be accommodated as well. So that was, I think right. for me, the biggest hit in terms of politics. Yes. In terms of invoking emotion and like really hitting home to the hearts of the people watching. You're going to say Obama. Michelle Obama yeah. was just, I mean, and she speaks almost the, identically to the way that Barack Obama, like her, her I, pauses I think, and yeah, her like pauses. That. Yeah. But I mean, goes to show one thing I'll say about Obama. He, he was a fantastic public speaker. And I wonder, I agree. I think it's a lawyer thing. Well, I agree with Because they were both lawyers, But correct? it's also elevated because you sandwiched between Bush and Trump. Right. <laughs> and even now, Bush is getting a lot of credit for his public speaking. But Oh, God. Which, if you go back to the Bush administration, second Bush. Nuclear power. <laughs> Did you ever see the, the David Blaine special where he does a, a, a magic trick for him? And I'm pretty sure he's half in the bag. He's just so incredibly amazed. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so we, going back, I think Bernie was the biggest political hit. Uh, I Or bop, I think, is what you wanted to I call. think it's, it's to called call. a bop now. Okay. The I'm kids trying are to get up on my Gen Z lingo. So, yeah, so the Gen Z listeners, yeah. I, we are trying to understand your lingo a little bit better, is, is the end of the spectrum millennials to the older part of that spectrum. So I think... Obama did a really nice job of confronting the Trump administration without being overly aggressive. And I think Barack has done that very well, too. He's probably doing that right now in tonight's speech where... They probably have the same person writing their speeches. Yeah. So so Michelle talked about that's how not, That's Trump, not a knock at it. No, yeah. no. Trump is in over his head, and he hasn't handled things well. And He's, She said he had four years to accomplish something, and he hasn't accomplished anything. Right. I listened. Right. You did. For so, you. So, thanks. So I think she nailed it with certain things. I'm going to say something was a hit, and I think a lot of people are going to disagree. Including me. Yeah. I liked that John Kasich spoke, and mm. I liked that they included him 
in in here i'll let you say why not (laughs) but i do think there's an element to where they're trying to unify the democratic party right right now as a way to defeat trump and there's a lot of centrists that you know like biden but maybe not didn't like kamala harris and they were able to get john Kasich, who is you know a very conservative leader, right? He was very conservative. He was able to do a lot of bipartisan work. But for instance, and one thing like AOC had issue with, you know, having him speak was he's very, very anti-choice. But the reason I think that hits is because it shows someone willing to compromise on that point right now to get Donald Trump out. Someone is something he's very near and dear to his heart, but he, you know, has said, the soul of this country has lost because Donald Trump has been in power. So didn't he say something along the lines of like, um, I think the one thing that he said that I liked was country before party. And and that's the thing. He didn't, he didn't say exactly like it, but that's what he said was something like like that. Yeah. Yeah. Now I understand. And I'm going to let you make the point why you didn't like Kasich and it has nothing to do with politics. From the beginning, I didn't like the, I it was so cheesy. I'm sorry. He was standing at a crossroads and he's talking about we're at a crossroads. I, I was like, you lost me there, brother. Yeah. I mean, it's just too much. And I'm pretty sure he was on a golf course. <laughs> I think I, I do. Think, I, I think do he, sympathize with that point. Yeah. I thought it was very cheesy. Yeah. So I'm, I'm think, pretty sure that like his publicist or his not publicist, but his, his um, campaign manager, whatever. Yeah. I was like, Oh, Hey, remember you have to record that thing today. And he's like, ah, well I'm playing 18 holes. So tell him to meet me on the links. <laughs> That's a very fair point. So I just, and you know what? And I, I didn't, it wasn't nothing, nothing that he said to me other than that one line was very, it didn't seem very heartfelt or anything like that. It just seemed like just a politician doing his thing. Yeah. And I guess for me, like I said, it hit me as a, and, and like I said, I tend towards the progressive side of the democratic party. I'm, I always labeled myself as an independent, but I don't really think there's a thing like that anymore right now. We can uh, bring it back. Hopefully. It's like a good fact. So, I, I trend more towards the Bernie's, AOC's, and Warren's, but Far I do left. I do recognize the idea here is to get Donald Trump out of office for the Democratic Party. So I think bringing that Republican in really shows a bipartisan like level of work that has not been done during the Trump administration, and not only Trump, it's also McConnell and, and whomever else. But the like you said country over party i thought that really rung true with everything they're trying to talk about and it's reunifying america and you know when we had obama and we even had bush right it was all about coming together now whether or not you agreed with him he always talked about coming together coming together same with bush 9-11 happened we're coming together you might not have agreed with his politics or the idea of going to iraq and afghanistan but he framed it in a way where we're in this together and you don't feel that with Donald Trump at all. It's, I'm getting blamed for this. I'm getting this. You know, people are saying this about me, but, you know, my supporters are going to support me no matter what. And the left is the evil, you know, nasty, lazy, communist, whatever you want to call it. You know, the, the Newt Gingrich tactic that we talked about earlier in the podcast. So 
I think the idea here, even with Kasich, he will want to run as the Republican, you know, nominee one day, obviously. But he can say, I did some bipartisan work. I did what was best for the country, regardless of how I felt about my own personal feelings. So I thought Kasich was a hit. And I think that's I think that's a huge thing too. Like I'm not saying that the idea behind it isn't uh very meaningful. Um I just I yeah, I didn't really I, I didn't think he said anything other than that one point yeah. that really like struck my fancy. That's fair. That's you know? fair. And I and, and I thought again, I thought Michelle Obama did a great job speaking. Yeah. Um, and she did a good job kind of like staying because some, some people kind of like leaned into the, the hate towards Donald Trump and I don't think she did that at all. Um, I just thought it was, again, I can, and, I, and I'm this way with both. I'm going to be saying the same thing after we talk about the RNC when that comes up. It's to me, the McCloskey's it's talk <laughs> to me. It's just like, it's all just so the, it's, it's the one thing that I don't like about politics is that it, sometimes it's just all BS. And I think especially when they're doing the DNC and the RNC, that's like... Well, I mean, you're trying to fire oozing. up your base. You're trying... Oh, you're, you're, gosh, that's yeah. That's the whole purpose. It's, it's like the, the perfect time for an echo chamber. Right. You know what I mean? The other hits I, I really had dealt with the pandemic on day one was Cuomo and the young lady Urquiza, I think was her last name. So Cuomo, obviously the governor of, of New York, dealing with the pandemic the pandemic and being the epi- the first epicenter, quote unquote, epicenter of the pandemic. And he really did. He kind of had that Giuliani 9-11 feel where it was like he was able to rally the whole state together, regardless of party. We're in this together. And he really brought that same feel to the unification of America that I think Biden is really aiming for. That's the angle of democracy is like, hey, we're empathetic. Trump is chaos. Were unification and empathy, right? So that's that's kind of the angle that they're working. I thought Cuomo and Urquiza did that. Urquiza yeah. was the one who talked about her father who died from coronavirus. Uh, yeah, I did hear that. And yeah. uh, one of the things was is he didn't have those comorbidities. Like, oh, you're only dying if you have comorbidities. And then she really dropped the the hammer with like the only pre existing condition that he had was he you know supported Donald Trump before the coronavirus. Low blow, but at the same time, like it was to emphasize that people are dying from coronavirus, even without the comorbidities. Or he was like in his mid fifties, right? So it wasn't like right. an anticipated death, which is somehow what the GOP or Trump administration is really pushing as a narrative. Is like basically you're seventy with four out of the five comorbidities. That's why you're dying, and it's not really coronavirus. It was going to happen anyways. That's not always the case. The majority, sure, but that's not always the case. And I thought her eloquence was surprising. Like I, I wouldn't, because she isn't a politician. She isn't like this trained public speaker, as far as we know. And I thought it really hit home. The big miss on day one. What, what was the biggest miss for you, in your opinion? Oh gosh, we'd both talked about it. I think. Yeah, but I'm I'm second guessing myself. Who do you, cause I, I think I, I think the biggest miss was was Whitmer. Oh yeah, I expected so much. Oh, I was no. so excited. She was so robotic. Yeah, we talked about it that the so, other day. Yeah, it was so mechanical she was and so, formulaic. Yeah, yeah, and she even like you could. I, I really one thing I think a, a, a great public speaker should have is that ability because I do know that that teleprompter is huge. But like you could tell that she was just like she's not looking at the camera. She's looking up here. She's reading off that teleprompter yeah. and everything. Yeah, that was the first thing I texted you. Yeah, was yeah. I think that she was a robot. 
And I do think even the, if the delivery was robotic, the speech itself was so formulaic. It was yeah. so. But she starts off, or as Trump would call me, that lady from yeah, Michigan. Right. And, and she's like, all right, come on. Just get to the point. And, and like I said, you know, you can be somewhat formulaic like Michelle Obama was, obviously, yeah. but like. But she pulls the, it off she real pulls well. It off. Real well. And, and I was. Again, so does Barack. Yeah. And I was just disappointed with her because I, I just had such high hopes. So I maybe maybe for me, it was I had hyped it up so much because she was like one right. of the finalists for the VP but candidacy. But I will say this. I, I It wasn't hyped up to me at all, and I thought I felt the same way. So I don't think that would have, you know what I mean? Like even if you didn't hype it up to yourself, I still think you would have felt pretty much the same. It, you know, I mean, at least I did. Yeah, yeah. I think another big miss, and this isn't, I think they're doing the best they can. But the virtual clapping and and all that, like I don't mind the feedback of people and like jumping in and Zoom calls. Yeah, I, that's something you have to do and right. I get that. But like these, it was like, Round of applause yeah. after to kind and of and it's like they focus on different people doing it. Yeah. And I I really was uncomfortable. It was with cheesy. It. Um, day two big hit for me. I have two major big hits. Yeah. Number one was the McCain video. So and I know you you might not have seen that particular aspect, but. Um, John McCain's daughter, right? Uh, I think it's Cindy McCain, uh, basically did a a readover of this clip showcasing John McCain and Biden working together. Once again, kind of angling at that bipartisanship. Yeah, they're really going for that. I think that could that could be very beneficial for them, and it should because it really resonated. And you, they showed the clip, which I got so hyped about was uh, when McCain gave the thumbs down when they were trying to overturn the ACA. And he walked right up, and you just see McConnell like his head drop a little bit. A guy who doesn't show much, much at all, like dropped his head, and you just see McCain like thumbs down and walk off, like I did my job. So I, I liked that video. I think it really shows more bipartisanship. Uh, the other big win for me <clears throat> was Joe Biden. I I thought Joe Biden really. I mean, she was. The former second lady. And just so you guys know, Brian is saying Jill, Jill Biden. Yeah, I, I do say that fast. Uh, Dr. Jill Biden. Jill, J-I-L-L, Biden, is a former teacher. So that resonated with me as well. And she was walking. I did say she missed her cue on starting up the walk. But the way she delivered it. And I, I loved that they they showed the love story between Joe and Jill. And they, they focused in on, you know, some of Joe's early heartbreaks and like, you know, losing his daughter and, and wife to a crash. And I think that's something that America needs is that empathy, someone that's gone through some huge struggles, losing his son, uh, Bo, to cancer. And like he's been in the positions of a lot of people where he's suffered and he's moved through things, but he, he ha- is able to acknowledge it and sympathize with people because of that. And Jill did a really nice job of bringing that levity right? She was, she was fun. She was energetic, energetic. And, you know, it was all about like, it starts with her running and, you know, talking about what she thinks about when she runs. And I just thought that was such a great message. And and the love story, I'm like, you can't get that from Donald Trump. Like Melania won't even touch his hand when they come off the plane. So there's no like love there. Right. And I think, I think we're just craving. Well, and it's playing. Yeah. I think, well, and you know, my, my aunt just turned me on to this new podcast and it's, um, I'll have to look it up, but it's, um, it's something mind. 
mm-hmm. uh, but they basically they did a whole um, podcast on the difference between um, the mind of a Democrat and the mind of a Republican. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was super, super interesting. Yes. I just listened to it today. Um, and it was just saying that that part of the brain that's, you know what I mean? Yep. In charge of like empathy they and did, things like that. Uh, they did a study Left on Left brain, that. right brain. All yeah. That. They did a study on uh, like betting tendencies of yes, Republicans versus yes. Democrats. Like I've seen some of those and they're fascinating the way the brain works. But but what I was saying where I was going with that is like, you know what I mean? That it's such a big thing because those those liberal minded people it played perfectly mm-hmm. to like the style, you know, mm-hmm. to their style of thinking, to their emotions. Yeah. I mean, how many times have I said lead with empathy? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and that's why I knew when I knew you were going to love Michelle Obama's speech, because she said empathy at least 10 times. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Brian's trigger word right. for oh, me. Oh, God. In he's, a good feeling, way. he's feeling good. Yeah. <laughs> and the name of the podcast was Hidden Brain. Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. on NPR. Uh, the other aspect of day two that I also really liked, uh, there was a, a man, uh, Barkin, I can't remember his first name. I think it was like, Aiden, 80, uh, Barkin. And he was the gentleman that suffered from ALS. And oh my God, did that tug on my heartstrings so hard because yeah. he, you saw him degenerate essentially over time of this broadcast. Like he was a, a big advocate for, uh, saving the ACA, right? Because it's a pre-existing condition. He might not, he might've lost his insurance and blah, blah, blah. And then he talked about how proud of his son he already was and all of that. I was just blown away at the way the DNC was able to really hit home. Some of the the things that we're missing in this country right now is like the idea it's okay to be emotional and vulnerable and, and we can recover and we can do this together, unifying, all those things. It's just like... I think that's the best path for this country. And I think the democratic party hit that nail on the head with the DNC. Right. So I think there were some misses. Uh, a big miss for me was, was AOC only getting 90 seconds. Oh God. I thought you were going to say something meaningful there. No, it was meaningful. <laughs> and here's why, here's why, whether you like her or not. And I, I, I think early on she was unpolished. I think she's grown immensely since then. Yeah, she's one I of think- the most, She's one of the rising superstars within the party, like it or not. She's one of the most outspoken members of the party, and you're giving her 90 seconds. Now, I understand why they, they're they really trying to I unify given her, the party. I would have given her 45. I'm just kidding, no, Brian. Not, <laughs> I'm just trying to stir you yeah. up a little bit. I, you, you, know you gave time to someone who doesn't hold your values and sits at a crossroad. Which I liked the whole yeah, idea. Yeah, don't of go it. back on it now. I'm not going back. You're on being it. a real Brian right now. <laughs> no, I think Kasich was a great addition, but yeah. he shouldn't have had more time than the one AOC. of the most pronoun, you know, pronounced members of your party. Uh, she's she's upfront. She's fighting the good fight. You know, she was part of the reason that Joe Biden adopted a climate change plan. Because her and Bernie really yeah. were pushing the Green New Deal. Right. Now it's just, and he's basically taking it on full right. force. And you're giving her 90 seconds. So I was really disappointed with that. But you know, hey, there's only so much time. You got to get you know Jill Biden in there. You got to get the right. feel good stories. I just would have liked and to I see a little that, bit more. I think they're really focusing on like the whole bipartisanship thing right now. I think that's yeah. going to be huge for them in the entire election. Um, because one thing that Trump couldn't get done the entire time was any sort of bipartisan bipartisan action. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're every the Dems would block anything, even if he had a great idea. I think mm-hmm. I think that they would have been like, yeah, but it's his idea. 
and that's that's not me plugging for Trump because that's definitely not the case. But I sometimes I feel that way. I guess no. Say what you want to say, bro. No, it's I. I guess I understand what you're saying. I. I just. It's just like it was so hard for you to come up with. It took six episodes for you to answer my wife's question about one good thing that Trump has done. Uh, and yeah, Mattis was a good pick. He was a good pick. <laughs> I stand he, by that decision. He ran, he ran out. He ran him out of town. Oh my gosh! All right. Any other big hits or misses? No, I, I think that was pretty much it. I mean, there were a lot of good moments, like John right. Kerry. Fine. I was like indifferent, so I'm not going to call it a miss. I'm not going to call it a hit. It's just there. Uh, but I think the big hits was obviously Michelle Obama. I think we're probably missing right now a big hit, and that's Barack's Barack Obama. We can talk about that next um, time. Yeah, we will. Yeah, for sure. Because I think I think there was probably some good messaging tonight, and you know Biden was probably going to be the keynote speaker, right, of, right. of the convention tonight. I know we did see the acceptance of the you know the nomination, which was right. great, but. Um, overall, I thought, you know, for it having to be virtual, which I thought was in itself a big hit, the idea that Joe Biden is saying, I would have handled this pandemic better. Making a virtual convention was obviously a good choice, right? I'm not going to force people to come right. to a rally and support me and talk, make it about me Solid move. risking your health to support me, right? He's, I will cater to you. And I think that's the whole message. Whereas, you know. The RNC is already, I think, going to still be live, and you know Trump is Trump is holding these rallies again. Um, I, I don't think that's the best move if you're really trying to emphasize you've handled the pandemic well. I would. I'm, I'm going to agree with you 100 percent there. 100. I think if they, I, I think if the RNC is live, you're already hurting your chances of get re, getting reelected. Yeah, I th- I think personally, yeah. but yeah. Anything else, Bry? I think I'm good with wrapping up there, yeah, but yeah. I would before we wrap up. Yeah. I really want to address. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Absolutely, uh, we're yeah. still getting great feedback and uh, questions and discussion and topics. Still- and, and Hey, I thought you guys did a really good job with this, but I want to see more of this. I love crit- like constructive, constructive criticism cr- yep. is huge for us. Keep it coming, please. And if you are enjoying this and beyond just like, Oh, Hey, these are my friends talking and I hear them in my car radio now. I think if you're enjoying it more than that, please, please, please feel free to share this. Uh, If you need help sharing it, let me know. I'll send you links. But share this with your friends. Help this grow. This is your show, too. Uh, We take your your criticism. We take your questions. This is your show. Help it grow. And you're, you're on the ground level of listening. So, you know, help us build it. Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, we'll see you again on Sunday night. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. It's Kevin. And Brian. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the Mad Libs podcast. We really appreciate you guys' uh, time. Uh, make sure you guys follow us on all of our social media. That includes Mad Libs Podcast on Instagram, Mad Libs Podcast on Facebook. And feel free to email us with any comments or questions at madlibspod at gmail.com. Thanks again, guys. Appreciate you listening.